0: Welcome to Muffliato, a Harry Potter podcast where we fill your ears to prevent you from hearing nearby conversations. I'm Josh. And I'm Blake. And today we test our dueling chops as we continue our journey
1: through Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets and come now to the 11th chapter, The Dueling Club. Now Josh, we've come a long way since uh, the first book when uh, Draco challenges Harry (laughs) to a a, a duel and all of a sudden he's thinking, am I going to die when Ron suggests, well I'm, I'm here as your second in case you die, and I'll take over. Uh, but we've come a long way since then, and uh, now we actually get a whole scene of dueling. Although we uh, get it from uh, a, a pretty incompetent teacher.
0: Yeah, that's right. And in that first year, the 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 joke from those who know a bit more is that they'd struggle to send sparks at each other. But <laughs> but this year, we we seem to see quite a yeah. bit of improvement. I feel like the the learning curve is pretty steep from year one to year two, and maybe levels off a little bit because. Yes. Pretty, pretty impressive stuff. Yeah, they're
1: sort of exposed to kind of the the proper spells and things, so they can actually like you know cast them, and and so it's quite funny that in, yeah, in the first year, Ron's so confident that they will only be able to send sparks. Uh, against one another and now all of a sudden you know Draco's flying out a, a snake at Harry and you know tickle charms or whatever it is like you just it doesn't it's just quite a quite a steep incline of of their knowledge already uh, there and uh, except for blocking Harry hmm. still doesn't really know how
0: to block no no exactly you know that and um, and and the other thing that I think is quite quite interesting is that apart from uh, the snake being conjured, these these do seem very much like I guess like twelve year old spells, you know, a, a mm. tickle a tickle attack and, and a few other things. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, um, a tickle attack, like, but they're they're, they they're quite pranked, for. quite prank based, you know. Yes, definitely. Yeah,
1: yeah. You'll you'll sort of be uh, you fall on you'll fall on your back kind of thing if I give you you know the tickle, yeah. which uh, yeah. seems kind of funny if you just took away the wands. <laughs> And the magic, and you thought Harry's like, I'm I'm gonna run at him and just tickle him. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it's like that classic scene in the office where uh, oh, where, no. where Michael asks Daryl, well, what he does uh, when he when he was in the in the gangs, and Daryl responds that you know when he was in both the Bloods, the Crips, and the Latin Kings, they just get together and they tickle each other. <laughs> <laughs> That is, so, that is <laughs> so good. When Michael just takes advice from Daryl, oh uh, Daryl always—it's uh, like always leading Hasimania. Yeah, yeah it's so good.
1: Because <laughs> I mean, we know, we know that Prison Mike, oh. uh, you know, he's he's been to Azkaban. You know, yeah, he that's he's right.
0: Got that connection with the the Harry Potter world—he's had the Gruel and he's seen <laughs> the Dementors.
1: Oh, I love how we're, we're narrowing in, Josh, on an audience
0: that really loves The mm. Office and really loves Harry Potter. You know, yeah. whether those yeah. two things
1: collide or not. That Venn diagram
0: may be small, but we're leaning into it, yeah. <laughs> at least for today. Yeah, oh, that's great. Well, to summarize the chapter, Blake. Uh, Growing bones may be difficult and brutally painful, but apparently it doesn't take that long, all things considered, uh, because Harry is released from the hospital wing the next morning. By this point, the whole school has heard about Colin Creevey's misfortune, but Harry is able to inform his friends about Dobby's visit during the night. Suspicion spreads throughout the students, and a black market develops as talismans and amulets are traded among Muggleborns and others with unknown heritage." The trio decide to stay at school over the holidays, deciding that this will be the perfect opportunity to interrogate Malfoy with the use of the polyjuice potion. Two key ingredients remain from the list, both of which are located in Professor Snape's personal store cupboard. One day in class, Harry sets off a diversion so that Hermione can steal the boomslang skin and bicorn horn. The potion now complete needs only a fortnight before it is ready to use. Amid the chaos surrounding the recent attacks, a dueling club is established by Professor Lockhart. Despite his growing reputation for ineptitude, students flock to the Great Hall to develop their skills. At the meeting, Professor Snape delights in humiliating Lockhart, expertly modeling the Expelliarmus spell. During Harry's duel with Malfoy, Snape instructs Draco to conjure a snake to attack Harry. The watching crowd hold their breath as Harry speaks to the snake. As the evening ends, Ron is shocked to learn that Harry is a parcel mouth. Harry doesn't understand the significance of his ability and learns that Salazar Slytherin was famous for his ability of speaking to snakes. On his way to apologize to Justin Finch Fletchley over the dueling club confusion, Harry finds him petrified alongside a blackened, nearly headless Nick. Peeves rushes to the scene and raises the alarm. As people begin to accuse Harry, Professor McGonagall whisks Harry away to Professor Dumbledore's office.
1: All right, Josh. Well, I've got a question for you. So if... Ghosts, because uh, we know that Nearly Headless Nick here is petrified, or some know, version of yeah, petrified yeah. for for a ghost, um, and and all that's fine. And and you know, seeing the uh, you know the the eyes of the basilisk through Nearly Headless Nick, mm. I can see how that acts as like a reflection or a mirror, that type of thing, not directly into them. But for Nearly Headless Nick, how they rem- you know how they move him uh, to the hospital wing <laughs> or away so is is. By blowing a fan, and I, I've just got to say, man, this this would be so bad in the sense of like that fan, you'd have to be an expert fan operator to navigate stairs, cu- mm. you know, like, because because what if he
0: was, you know, blown into half between a wall? Uh, well, I, here's what I'm thinking, Blake. So why doesn't Professor McGonagall, who's able to just conjure the fan out of thin air, why doesn't someone just use like projected air out of their wand? Like, well, yeah. why are we involving this extra step? Do we think you know? Like, I, I think I think maybe because maybe because she the wants, students could do it. Yeah, yeah, so the
1: students could do it. I feel like that's probably
0: maybe Ernie um, isn't very good with his you know fanning. Themselves.
1: Yeah, <laughs> maybe it's a bit more powerful, and and all of a sudden he'd be you know, nearly headless, Nick would be blown outside the that's, castle or something right. like that. I just I, and I also I've got to got to think about the physical interaction with wind and ghosts because ghosts don't really have interaction with real food, right? Like like they don't have an interaction with that sort so, of so that's that where that my mind
0: food. That's where my mind went. Because they they pass through the food, or they, you know, they they go near the food, and that's how they can almost yeah. taste it. But but as we as we you know we'll will come to see later, they also will benefit from the mandrake potion.
1: Yeah. So I'm,
0: it's a bit. So how is yeah. how is it getting administered to nearly headless neck? That's what I'm not quite sure about. Blake. Like I'm wondering if there's a certain amount of like the elements
1: that uh, that you know like affect affect ghosts so like wind and things like that like outside that outside the physical objects you know there are those things mm. that sort of affect them so maybe like the potion is administered via like a some kind of like airborne uh
0: variation
1: uh, i just maybe, can't...
0: maybe they, they put it into like an inhaler type thing and then they like <laughs> yeah. spray it on it they just bl- they just blow it at him with another fan okay, um well, maybe, but, maybe.
1: Yeah, it just sort of an interesting thing. Like it gets it gets probably overlooked in this chapter uh, because we get another. Um, you know, Justin Finch Fletchley is actually you know the kind of the person that's alive is it, is it a little bit more at danger here because he's whoa a, a, whoa that's that's
0: a bit ghostish, Blake. I'm
1: I am so sorry, everybody. Let me just take that. Just back. apologize
0: to all the uh, <laughs> all
1: the ghosts out all there. All the ghosts listening. <laughs> you, you don't matter. No. No, 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 but, you know, we get we get the highest stakes because now there's two attacks. It's like a double attack. And to, to cap it all off, you know, Peeves is not helping Harry's case here.
0: No, no. Peeves, as, as always, Peeves just loves chaos. Doesn't matter who it is. Doesn't matter yep. what the individual persons are like. Um, he sees a scene and he raises the alarm bell purely to get a rise out of people not out of, you know, love for Justin Finch flinchley or anything like that. Yeah, 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 definitely. He's he's all
1: about the chaos, he's all about the fun. He, he's right there in with the uh, with the Weasley twins, although I feel like it, it well, it's kind of funny because like, you know, Peeves makes this song about Potter and uh, you know, and sings it out for all to hear, but then almost the the Weasley twins, you know, they go sort of a, a similar route, but like actually just start kind of clearing the hallways and like joking about Harry being, you know, announcing to everybody. So they kind of have similar, you know, and we've talked about it before, Peeves and the, the Weasley twins are, are similar in that way. And we get into that a little bit more, especially with uh, Order of the Phoenix. But uh, just quite funny how uh, it's it's nice that Harry's got that support uh, hmm. from the, the Weasley twins, you know, like he, he goes, oh, I don't really mind that they're doing this because it's like, I know that they think it's quite a joke.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, if we were to kind of imagine um imagine their their alignment Blake that uh, I think Peeves would probably be like a chaotic neutral, you know. Um and and the 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 Weasley twins would be chaotic good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think um, that sounds about right. Yeah. Peeves Peeves is just all about chaos. Chaos for the <laughs> sake of chaos. Um when when the time comes to it to to defend Hogwarts, he does play his part, but just chaos for chaos' sake. That's that's peeves for us right there. But this chapter is
1: not about peeves, you know? This this chapter doesn't Isn't focus it?
0: <laughs> He's mentioned in three paragraphs right at the end. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's not quite
1: about him. I actually think it's about Harry Potter. Uh, You know, the story is based around him. Although, uh, you know, Peeves, uh, the poltergeist story would be uh, maybe potentially quite interesting to see uh, how he got to Hogwarts and why he stays there. But uh, anyway, I think as we come into the key theme, we could probably learn a little bit more about uh, the the main part of this chapter. And our, our key theme is discovery and doubt, Josh.
0: Mm. yeah, and this is this is something that is is connected to, I guess kind of the two main things that Harry learns in this chapter. um the the first being and, and probably the most significant as far as actually learning this, um that that he is, in fact, a a parcel mouth. And then the second uh, discovery is is this is where we get the most famous of Harry's spells which he'll use time and time again, including twice to defeat Voldemort, the Expelliarmus spell. So that's his discovery. <laughs> it's, it's the best um, thing since Slice bread, the oh Expelliarmus Armist. Yeah, uh, like th- th- this is one of the main reasons why, why Snape would probably be in the top three of any Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher rank you'd make <laughs> um, in Harry's time at Hogwarts. You know, Something he did while not teaching Defense Against the Dark Arts. Um, and then... And then doubt um, just because of the fallout after everybody sees that Harry can, in fact, talk to snakes. Yeah. And, and he, Harry's own doubt. Exactly. And then
1: maybe we'll add a third D, dissension. Because Ooh. Ooh. because it all just goes, goes to custard from there and everybody turns on Harry. Well, not yeah. everybody. The Hufflepuffs <laughs> at least do the Hufflepuffs. And I feel like that's that's interesting because I was thinking about this all of a sudden I, I for some reason I realized Justin Finch Fletchley. I, I thought he was a, a Ravenclaw. And um we actually get quite a um, a, a good look into uh, the Hufflepuff kind of a few people from Hufflepuff. Yeah. Like the story focuses yeah. in not just on one Hufflepuff, like Cedric Diggory, you know, with the tournament, but like we actually come into like a, a scene that has yeah other Hufflepuffs in it, which is is something that we don't really encounter all that often.
0: Yeah, and I, I think one of the things that that is is so interesting and probably sad for Harry is that it it seems like Hufflepuff House has has probably the best relationship house to house with Gryffindor out of any of the other houses. And so it does seem like, oh man, if Hufflepuff is turned on me, I'm like, I'm, I'm one, one kind of step away from everybody being against me. You know, my, my own house still seems fairly favorable, but for Hufflepuff to be against me, yeah, oh, that's, that's a tough, you, that's a tough you know sell. You know, it's
1: all come against Harry when, yeah. you know, Hufflepuff turn against him. Well, when
0: they, when the Hoofley Poofs turn against him. <laughs> That's what I call Hufflepuff in my head, Blake. <laughs> you, whatever you think, it's like Justin Finch-Fletchley from Hoofley
1: Poof. Uh, <laughs> Hoofley Poof. <laughs> what, do you think? Do you think Rowling had that in in
0: mind? Maybe she's. Like, I don't. Oh, do I, I, get, I, uh, do, I get,
1: do. I get Stephen Fry to pronounce it Hoofley
0: Poof. Hoofley Poof. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's why I wasn't offered the job. You know, I yes. I said my one condition. I'll say everything else normally, but it's gotta be hoof like poof. And but but maybe like just as we um kind of wrap up the key theme, and one thing we need to probably spend a little bit more on is Harry's self-doubt. As he finds out um of of his ability, which is unique, yeah. and as he finds out who else is known for that ability, and then he connects it with what the sorting had originally said when it was placed on his head. There's That's some quite- there's some pretty real self-doubt where he's thinking, Am I even supposed to be in Gryffindor?
1: Yeah. And I love the moment. uh, almost (laughs) it's uh, the moment where the way that it's written, Harry gets like hope. He's like, you know, the hat goes, I stand by my decision. And Harry's like, yay. Uh, (laughs) You would have been good in Slytherin. And it's like, (laughs) no, yeah,
0: yeah. When is that? When is that? Is that... Um... It's in
1: Dumbledore's uh, office. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it's, right. it's quite funny because it's just like he he's going around. And then it, it just, it, it does not end well for Harry in the sense that he's like, you know, the, the way that Rowling writes it just tells you the exact of what's going to happen when it comes to Fawkes the Phoenix. Like it's like all of a sudden it would just be, you know, the worst thing would just be that, you know, the bird, Dumbledore's bird just burst into flames or something. And then all of a sudden it does. And it's just like, yeah. oh.
0: Yeah. And that's, and that'll be obviously something which, which Harry will will find out in that next chapter from the, the sorting yes. hat, but, but something that will be in the back of his mind throughout the entire books is, is this kind of alternate reality where, you know, what if, what if he would have been put into Slytherin? Would he still be the chosen one? And, And it's something that he'll wrestle with the whole time. Really? and and a lot of a lot of people listening and reading as well
1: wonder mm. what if harry was in slytherin like you know in the compartment like he's he's say with ron weasley in the train compartment but then all of a sudden gets divided um i think we've had this chat before when in relation to be like you being put in slytherin house and meet Gryffindor it's like can can those two different members of hogwarts be friends mm. uh, if you're in a different house is it easy to be friends uh, when you're in different houses but but yeah have Harry was put in Slytherin. That would just change so much, uh, I feel like, because of his interactions with different people. But, yeah,
0: you you think – Yeah, they definitely wouldn't – like Ron and Harry definitely wouldn't get to have sleepovers as often, which seems like they have every night. Slumber parties yeah, in the yeah. Gryffindor
1: dorm. It, definitely, definitely, no, no sleepovers. Um, unfortunately, unless they were like really breaking the rules, um, <laughs> and uh, you know, like uh, just uh, wandering the you know the castle at night or something like that. But uh, no, definitely, we get that doubt in in Harry where he's just contemplating being like, man, what if I was? What if this was all a mistake? And I should have been in yeah. Slytherin. You know what? What that would have changed for me. Mm
0: yeah yeah I, I, and it's one of the things that's really interesting is at this point um, for, for whatever reason maybe it maybe it's not known by um, the students maybe it's not known by the wider wizarding population. Um, but what I find really interesting is in a chapter where we're kind of reintroduced to this um, parcel mouth, ability is that voldemort's name is nowhere to be found yeah it's salazar slytherin's name instead of voldemort so we just yeah we get disconnected from voldemort
1: thinking that you know all this bad stuff that's happening you know it it can't be him almost like it's it's just Mm. it separates it which is quite interesting
0: yeah and and just that idea that Along the way, the clues that they they come to find out fit other people along the way, right? Like when mm-hmm. when they're talking about someone who must hate hate Muggleborns, they they come up with Malfoy, and then Lucius is opening it the first time or something like that. Yeah, um, and then when it's it's that oh. You know, the it's it's likely that the heir of Slytherin would have been a parcel mouth. Well, that's true, but it's not Harry. Um, and and so, you know, they have all these clues that are going to eventually fit only one person. And that person is, you know, the Horcrux Lord Voldemort. Horcrux Lord Voldemort. Yeah, that's actually a really good
1: good way of uh, looking at it. Because it is funny that it's not, and in a way, it's not the Voldemort that we know um, mm. because we only know the Voldemort from that first book from, you know, the first time that we actually, he comes back. Uh, and it's that sort of the original form of Voldemort and you've got to, you've got to wonder Voldemort's probably like, you know, he's, he's unaware of, uh, of this sort of other Voldemort that's starting to take shape, you know, this Mm. sort of Tom Riddle schoolboy kind of Voldemort uh, that's starting to come back. And obviously he doesn't, um, but uh, you know, Voldemort gets pretty annoyed when he finds out that one of his Horcruxes uh, is is destroyed. Um, Um, Lucius. (laughs) or or, He's in it for his own gain, you know, like, and uh, I always feel like Lucius Malfoy is like the perfect follower but yes. as soon as he sees an opportunity that best suits him he like he'll take it
0: um, or or even when he's whenever he's given leadership opportunities it's just always a bad time for everyone yeah 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 that's really you know he'll point. he'll get defeated at the uh the ministry of magic and he'll end up in, <laughs> in prison and yes oh just yeah maybe maybe and then maybe that's his because... wand taken
1: Maybe that's a good segue coming into talking about character development. I I sort of put down here that we we learn uh, a little bit about Ron Weasley, or at least I I noted about Ron Weasley, how he's a bit quick to judge. uh, And it's that kind of misdirection that we see again when he says, you know, Lucius Malfoy must have opened the chamber when he was at school here. And now he's told uh, uh, dead old Draco how to do it. So it's like when when they find out that it's been opened before, all of a sudden that solidifies it in Ron's mind that it's like, oh it's it's you know they're already on the malfoy train so why not just add another malfoy to it you know
0: yeah yeah that's right and in their minds they're they're looking for any evidence to prove malfoy's guilt not necessarily to find out the true identity of of who it might be yes Um, and so because they've gotten so narrow so quickly um, they'll miss out on on some of the bigger clues that um, they'll eventually realize next chapter when it yeah. when Draco confirms it wasn't him yeah definitely but I mean apart from uh, that little thing about you know Ron being
1: being quick to judge which I think in in the trio he's definitely the person to do that um, and as we discussed last uh, episode about Hermione uh, potentially learning to to not be so quick and jump on things and how she discovers to just sort of you know be the voice of reason and uh, sort of even hone that voice uh, from now that she's had a bit of experience experience from obviously you know when she finds out that Malfoy isn't uh, the heir of Slytherin and Malfoy hasn't been doing this sort of stuff to you know right at the start when she's like no don't do anything and she sort of finds that balance so that's Hermione and then we've got Ron here being the kind of quick to judge uh the moody type and then uh, and then Harry is in his own sort of uh, league of his own but do we see any other kind of developments from characters that, that you've seen when reading through this chapter Josh
0: I think just the main thing, and this is something we'll talk about throughout because it is such a huge revelation, is is Harry's ability as as a parcel mouth. And that's a really significant character development. It's not something that we learn for the first time, right? That's chapter no. chapter two of the first book, kind of harkening back all the way to there. But it is something that we don't really know much about when we read that happening, you know, as as we're learning about this magical world along with Harry. Oh, maybe talking to all animals is normal and snakes are just one of them. Um, Yeah. Well, he he thinks that. Like, yeah. Yeah. But but funny how that never comes up. And I think if this book, like
1: this whole plot, was put further along in the book series, you know, say it was the third or the fourth, it would become more unreasonable in the sense that, like, how has Harry, like, how has Harry not told Ron? At least, or Hermione, that he can speak to snakes, or it's come up at some point. I mean,
0: to be fair, the guy lives in Scotland, not in Australia. Okay. Yeah. That's
1: a good point. That's, that's a good point. There's not snakes just yet. I don't chill, chilling about being you know, like, yeah, there hey, right right uh, talk talk, talk.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't think he comes across them nearly as often as he could. Yeah. So I don't think you, but, but not so much
1: like, Coming across the snakes, but surely <laughs> something like would have just been like, oh, by the way, like, you know, talking about wizarding abilities. Like, you know, they've got so many of those, like you said, Josh, sleepovers yeah. and yeah. slumber parties. <laughs> you think it would come up,
0: but um, that's, that's, and that's, I mean, just one they're, Harry. Really like. Harriet, honestly, though. Well, what do Harry and Ron ever talk about? Food and Quidditch. Yeah, that's a good point.
1: It's, it's kind of a, a repeated thing. It's food yeah. and Quidditch and, and not that's much. That's Hermione's
0: other. greatest frustration with them. Like they never talk about anything else. So at least he would have talked
1: to Hermione about it, who surely would have been yeah. very interested. But yeah, yeah. anyway, that's one of those little side things that you just yeah. think, ah, oh, that's, <laughs> that's right. And that's why in being the second book, it's not as bad, you know, but if it was like the third or fourth, you're like, you've had three years of friendship, like yeah. – you know, Josh, well, I'm, and you surely should know that, if I talk to snakes, all right? So, like, well, because we've been do. friends for so long.
0: Oh, <laughs> you're just a bit crazy, not, no. Um, <laughs> um, But, but another thing with that too is that it 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 fits here because it's plausible that they also haven't learned about that in the classroom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, who knows how Ron knows that. Maybe just older siblings. that's kind of a, a classic example of of the of the one of the younger siblings just knowing knowing a, a little bit about more things, even if that's not completely accurate all the time, like we know with Ron, but that it's is at least plausible because Harry's Malgo born and because he's only in his second year that maybe he has not come across that in any of his reading either. Yeah, that,
1: that makes sense. Sorry, my mind's also just gone to looking at the like the founders. Surely the Hogwarts school would have had some kind of introduction to the Hogwarts founders. And uh, wouldn't yeah, that yeah, yeah. information come up when talking about Salazar Slytherin?
0: Um, I mean, if it was in History of Magic we we can be sure that Harry was asleep probably by then. That's a good point.
1: Yeah. And everybody was asleep. Yeah. And then Hermione just took in the knowledge because yeah. she probably already knows, you know, <laughs> about past miles, but doesn't, you know, bother to to talk to, to Ron and H- Harry when they're just thinking about food, you know?
0: Yeah, like in this chapter we also see um, some pretty significant world building uh, ideas
1: Yeah, so the first up uh, th- I think the biggest one, hence the uh, you know, the what the chapter, chapter yeah. is about is wizard duels, so you know, we mm. first see it in the first book, like mentioned before, with the just shooting sparks at one another seems very like we get a little bit of the information being like there's a second in case the first person dies, uh, so it gets a bit sort of serious when you know, when Harry then discovers that, don't worry, you're not actually going to die, you're just sending sparks at each other. But now, like we've discussed, you know, the learning curve's gone up. They can actually shoot spells, and uh, this is a bit of a dueling club. And uh, wizard duels, I wonder how common they are in the wizarding world. Like if it's, you know, if they're all of a sudden outlawed by the Ministry of Magic and, you know, they've got to be under strict supervision if you do go into contests or some kind of thing like that, that limits them. Obviously, they still happen when it comes to feuds and fights, like how muggles would fight each other. It's like this. Would a- be
0: Alexander <laughs> Hamilton. <laughs> So this would be a wizard
1: duel. Imagine Alexander Hamilton with wands, Josh. There you the go. Ten
0: duel commandments. There you go.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> oh, that's um, right. Yes, sorry,
1: yeah. I, I, I missed that. And then I was thinking,
0: why is it?
1: But then yes, that's right. The the du, the dueling uh, the dueling
0: rules yeah yeah um and, and I think another thing Blake that that is connected here is just how um I, I guess how that that protocol is is followed by by the good and the evil alike you know in Harry Potter and the goblet of fire and the graveyard scene Tom Tom riddle I'm, I'm being quite disrespectful Lord Voldemort is you know calls Harry to to bow and to follow the dueling you know etiquette yeah uh, and and this this seems to be a pretty significant thing that they're learning here in, in second year is, is kind of a, a foundational wizarding skill. And you got to think if it wasn't for the fact that um,
1: you know some of these things were taking place, and we had a very up himself teacher, uh, Gilderoy Lockhart, who sort of wanted to be the centre of attention, and you know, then all of a sudden this club might not have happened. And it's like, when I was thinking
0: of that too, yeah,
1: yeah. At what point do they um, learn about sort of this um, important thing, this sort of the the rules of dueling? I'm Mm. sure it would have taken place in like Defence Against the Dark Arts potentially later on on like in senior years or something like that but they definitely have that knowledge now of facing off against one another but i find it funny because when any rules like that get standardized even for evil people it's like the point of being evil is that you know you're fully chaotic and i know there's varying levels of you know that kind of evilness like that oh i'm evil but yeah let's have a proper duel it's like you know I, i'll wait for you to stand up and and we'll face each other we'll bow all of a sudden it's like the you know voldemort doesn't uh, seem like that he almost seems like the person who would sucker punch you mm. and uh and it just seems like if you were
0: actually yeah. you know evil i think i think though like in in this magical world one of the things that would be like you'd be so afraid of is the the falling out of breaking magical protocol you know like
1: oh you're like, talking about sort of set things like you know how there's the unbreakable vow that's a that's quite yeah, a serious well, point even, like set kind of ways of doing things
0: well even even um Voldemort's oversight of giving Harry this incredible protection mm. um, by by killing his mother in the way that he did. Yes, whereas, um, whereas if, if, if you entered into that duel of your own if, volition. Well, I'm just thinking specifically if you like sucker punched someone yes. in, in the magical world, because Voldemort is so concerned with magical history and tradition and being the, the greatest of all time the goat um he he i don't i don't think he'd ever do that if that makes sense you know i okay. think i think a, yeah. a sucker punch would be a bit of a worm tail move you know yeah yeah a little bit of like a sort of
1: i don't have the upper hand on yeah. you so i've yeah. do, do this okay that makes sense that makes sense i just it just yeah it fascinates me when these things take mm-hmm. place like you know the idea of say like Wars and stuff like that, like these big opposing, you know, countries that we have, you know, in our in our world uh, uh, today, being like that they still have some rules of things not to do, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and you just think, huh, okay, interesting, you know, like you're, you're setting rules for war. It's just a very weird concept to find that there is like, I don't know what the word would be, but like balance, or there's Mm -hmm. a little bit of structure to chaos and killing. It just seems it seems
0: so strange to me, but, yeah. yeah. and I think like probably one of the biggest examples of that in in the books is is Dolores Umbridge, someone who is, you know, in her mind, completely following the law, um, mm. but but just really wicked as we will come to see. Um, yeah, well, yeah. So yeah.
1: anyway, if, you know, wizard duels fascinating, and we do learn. Mm-hmm. It, like, it comes back every once in a while, especially the the famous duel, Ooh, is, yes, uh, Chocolate the, Frog that. card <laughs> with uh, with Grindelwald and Dumbledore. You know, so it was a pr- it's a proper duel, um, and I find that that's that's quite that's a that's a big one. And any others, Josh? That uh, I feel like we we hear about of, of duels. I think that's well, probably the biggest. probably about
0: it. The only other thing I was going to mention was that surprise, surprise and i don't mean that sarcastically at all um, but surprise surprise flitwick dueling champion yeah i mean you know
1: he, he's a little guy but he's not, not sure
0: i was gonna say not sure if that is in the under four feet um division <laughs> or or don't not
1: you, don't you go there you just josh you just lost our short listeners <laughs> You just lost our short listeners. Oh, that. No. Yeah, I feel like because you're bringing in magical ability, I don't think there's a height or a weight class. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It's boxing. like boxing. Yeah, yeah where, like oh, you're the under 95 kg. You're the yeah, you know, yeah. under 120, whatever it might be. But uh, definitely, Flitwick would know a fair few amount of charms and spells, and uh, he'd he'd be quite the force. Just like we, you know, you don't underestimate short people because look at Dobby. You know, he's got a, his own magic and is actually pretty powerful, and uh, uh, he's not that tall. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go up against Flitwick myself. I feel like I'd rather no, go up against no. uh, Lockhart, who's just but, fumbling over
0: his wand. But, yeah, that, that does kind of raise the point that in addition to dueling, this is kind of where it, um, I guess, breaks off from, um, from muggle dueling, is that dueling is not only a way to settle disputes, but it is also something like a debating club at school as well yeah you know like like Fletwick was a dueling champion like it's almost like fencing and <laughs> yes and all fencing, these other things yeah. put together fencing yeah. would be a good one like a fancy boarding school like yeah. eton uh you know um mm.
1: with old uh, justin finch fletchley if he had gone there all of a sudden <laughs> he'd probably be in the, the fencing club rather That's than right. uh, yeah. the, the dueling club with wands and magic uh, so no quite a it's yeah wizard duels are quite interesting and we do you know it's the biggest in this chapter mm. uh, obviously as they're kind of learning about it and it seems like a lot of the school are interested in it the the idea of dueling i do i don't feel like it w- you know it was a thing that was only for second years because no, you know, no, when they leave, leave the gryffindor yeah. common room when they come back to the gryffindor common room hermione and ron they sort of rush harry back to sort of <clears> uh, <throat> privately discuss parcel tongue and harry used parcel tongue they they realize that the the common room is actually like empty, so a lot of the people would probably all be at this dueling club, finding this quite interesting.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Different, but yeah
1: so anyway, I mean, t- talking about parcel tongue and and the you mm. know the the language uh being a parcel mouth, uh we actually see uh, that everybody finds out now and the secrets out about harry potter and uh we don't we it doesn't actually come up in many other books that about how that affects other people and what they think of Harry. He they all know that he speaks snake language now, uh, but it doesn't really bother them after this book and after the year of Slytherin, after they figure it out and it's not actually Harry.
0: Right, it doesn't seem to be a major, um. I guess, factor in maybe people um, interacting with Harry in the future. No. Once, once he's shown not to be there, he he seems to kind of escape any of kind of the negative connotations. Yeah. Especially all those,
1: all those people who are thinking like, Oh, it's, it's like, you know, it's the, the mark of a dark wizard, you know? And you just think, Oh, crikey. Like, you know, it does kind of seem a little bit dark and suspicious, especially because we know that Harry got it only by, you know, Voldemort passing some of his, his power to Harry.
0: Yeah, you just think oh that they were quick to drop that. Mm, yeah, and and I think one thing that is is also interesting just as we uh consider the the whole idea of of Harry as as a dark wizard. It's a bit of a character building idea, but but it also fit here. Um, you know, that 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 idea is is something that will also be kind of attached to him throughout throughout his life is, you know, it must have been a powerful dark wizard to defeat Voldemort. That, that kind of thinking, that kind of Mm -hmm. idea um, that, that maybe Harry isn't actually a good guy. Maybe he's just the next bad guy or something like that um, is definitely something that will go along with him for the rest of his life. Yeah, definitely. Just a little bit of a kind of understanding the, the word parcel tongue. Apparently JK Rowling um, wanted a, a word that sounded um, like you were speaking his snakes that's you know? clever so parcel is just like yeah. just the 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 hissing and and the slithering kind of sound um is is quite a neat um a neat word for that nothing to do with parsley as far as i can find <laughs> um honestly poofs and parsley tongues um parsley tongues yeah i think it, i think it might be my, Now i'm thinking about it, i think it might be my my mom who always says Hoofley Poof and that's why I now read it in my there head. There you go. I you've, think that's what it must be. You've passed <laughs> it down. Hoofley um, so, Yeah. <laughs> now that is done.
1: That's good. Oh, good um, the only other things that we see in this chapter is uh, I noted down here chameleon ghouls uh, which obviously probably not the best kind because you don't want anything to be some kind of like chameleon Mm. and disguising itself as something uh, someone or something else uh, as a ghoul uh, would and so that's probably not the best but just a small little thing there and uh, one thing that I really like is uh, Hermione's ability to create waterproof fire. The idea of waterproof fire seems pretty cool to me I'm like does that mean the fire can be underwater because that would that would be seriously cool but otherwise. a little hot tub situation yeah I'm thinking so I'm thinking Thinking so, or a, like a, a great art piece, especially mixed with Dumbledore's ability to create, uh, you know, everlasting fire. Uh, Ooh, so that yeah. that would be quite cool. Um, but uh, even even if it wasn't that, and it was just like stopping, you know, the fire from going out. Someone who is not uh, an expert fire maker. That's probably pretty handy. Uh, I like the uh, idea of that, but Hermione has many a, a cool tricks up her sleeve. What second year can do that? Yeah, that's just crazy. That's eh? pretty incredible. But anyway, those those are kind of the world building uh, aspects. Do we see any kind of literary device, Josh, in this uh, in this chapter?
0: For this book, you know, it is one of the books that's more in what I would describe as like a a mystery genre, a bit of a, a bit of a whodunit. Yes. Um, And so we, we have those elements that we've mentioned before of, of red herrings and of, of sleight of hand. Uh, But I wouldn't say anything new that would be that, that important to consider, but just those, those um, same themes just keep kind of running in the background that Mm. we're, we're led in the wrong direction. And, and until next chapter, uh, we keep talking about next chapter, but next chapter is going to be where they're going to have to reset and realize they don't know maybe as much as they um, think they do. So another thing, Blake, we, we do see, um, speaking of kind of clues along the mystery book um, uh, theme, is, is we see once again spiders. Spiders fleeing from the scene, and it's something that's mes- mentioned very briefly. Um, but but this is going to be key in Hermione eventually figuring out what the monster is. And and I find this I find this quite clever the way Rowling's put this in here. Just
1: you know because you know it's a small detail that you wouldn't think anything of. Spiders just sort of scuttling away, yeah. um, and you go, oh okay. Um, until we actually get to that Aragog scene, which Correct. yeah is a creepy enough scene by itself. <laughs> like that just, you, you kind of, oh, I just feel like when I think about it and all those spiders, I do get sort of tingles up my back thinking, oh, gross. Uh, but, and and the little touches of roosters dying and, you know, mm. Hagrid informing uh, Harry then it's oh, another rooster died. And uh, all these little things leading up that, that because the mystery of the castle and what's going on in the castle, we don't think much of these little things like spiders and yeah. roosters.
0: Yeah, and and it's it's not like you know if you are reading this for the first time it's not like you've missed anything we we don't know anything about those attributes of a basilisk yet mm. um, but they'll just come into play later on yeah so those are some two kind of minor foreshadowing um things that are definitely worth paying attention to expelliarmus some huge significance but kind of I, I've put I've put the next two both in um significance and and foreshadowing Blake because um, they they really do transcend some of those categories um but expelliarmus huge huge significance for um harry as as a wizard as well as you know just just something that is is going to become a bit of of his his trademark yeah it's like his go-to spell yeah Um, and i think yeah you're definitely right in putting in putting both the
1: the puzzle mouth and expelliarmus just under foreshadowing as well as the the significance because they they are so sort of Similar uh, in in both those categories, we see Expelliarmus be used countless times by Harry to just Uh, actually
0: actually did count. It was uh, 341. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I thought I thought you did a word count on no, the whole. No, no. That would be funny, books. though. Now, now like, it tempting.
1: It'd be be really interesting to see how I'm how sure, many. Times. I'm sure Uncle Google could help us out with that. I'm sure I'm sure Uncle Google could. I totally thought that you would tell him the truth there because I just was like, that makes it. He uses it, you know, so much. Although three hundred, that's that's probably a bit bit high for the whole series of, of how many times it's written. But I think you know, so. It's, it's, high, it's yeah. this go to spell where it can remove Harry from a troublesome situation like. It can sort of it can create enough of a break in a, in a battle or a situation that um, distracts or takes eyes off Harry. And he can sort of either flee or get the upper hand. Uh, and so it's quite the helpful spell. And I feel like if you had to learn any spell, I mean, there's good case that this would be the spell that you'd want to learn.
0: Yeah, there's also a good case that had Harry only had this one day in his second year and then spent some time with Professor Lupin learning the Expecto Patronum spell, that his defense against the Dark Arts education was pretty much done. I think uh, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. if you have these two... You because it seems be like not- Harry goes on to then teach people and never really learns anything useful again, but, <laughs>
1: you know... And he and he leads like a a defense against the dark arts club, you yeah. know. And it's yeah. like it's like what other spells are you teaching? Just teach them the the patronus and
0: in uh, this chair, uh, this spell right here. So yeah, so that's obviously huge significance, huge foreshadowing to how it will be used later in the books. But then also with the Parselmouth, the reason I put it in foreshadowing, Blake, and I, I'd be curious to hear what you think as well. Is is that what's what's so interesting is that Harry is not a. I guess a true parcel mouth or a or a natural parcel mouth, right? When when he yeah. when the the horcrux within him is is defeated or killed however you want to put it destroyed would be the proper word there um he he stops being able to use that ability um and and so this really is some significant foreshadowing that likely Dumbledore would have picked up on in his kind of formulation of this horcrux theory
1: yeah it is really fascinating that he just loses the gift altogether and you know and like you said all of a sudden Dumbledore's thinking, well, Harry probably isn't a descendant, you know, yeah, like yeah. so Dumbledore's able to track that down to to Voldemort. But uh, you know, and here's Harry, this sort of Gryffindor boy uh, who is from You know, these parents. Dumbledore knows his parents, and, and probably a bit of history there. But just all of a sudden, just goes okay. I this this information helps me go. Well, why yes. on yeah. earth does Harry have this ability? Um, and he, and he starts that formulation of the the whole Horcrux theory, as well as uh, the the crazy revelation. And this is probably the the big chunky spoiler
0: of the series that harry is a horcrux as well Mm. yeah yeah and and that's something that will i think if you read the books even one time the the second read through you, you you'll just see so many examples where you're like there is something more than unique about what's happening between Voldemort and and Harry, you know, it's it's something that can't ever be explained properly. You know, even even this whole idea of of Harry's scar hurting, it's like no scar does that, not even a magical scar. This is very very unique. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But as we've mentioned uh,
1: all throughout this episode, uh, next chapter is quite a doozy as well. So we're looking forward to to doing that with you. But uh thank you for listening. Would love to hear your feedback. So head over to iTunes and leave a review. Your reviews seriously. Help keep the magic alive. And if you want to get in touch with us, as Josh and I would love to do some kind of our uh, post kind of mail uh, episode as well, send us an email with a question or a query or anything like that to muffliadopodcasts at gmail.com. As always, to continue the adventure, join us next time as we discuss the 12th chapter of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, The Polyjuice Potion.